All right, I want to talk to you today about this thought that the Redeemer, Jesus Christ, was truly human. Truly human and truly God. So we're going to look today at the humiliation of the Christ. The humiliation of the Christ. And I will tell you, the first place we're going to stop, we're going to look at several scriptures today. We're going to go to Hebrews 2 to start with. You might want to turn there um, and get ready for that. So we have, um, this actually comes from a catechism question, which is what we're dealing with in our D groups. We're just a little bit ahead in here. But you're going to see this. This is question 22, and it includes 23. Why must the Redeemer be truly human and truly God? And I think there's a video, and then we'll go over the question itself. If you know the words and the tune, go ahead and uh, sing with us. from last week that Jesus as the Redeemer was truly God. But today I want to look at this idea that Jesus as the Redeemer is also truly human. And I think that's where we can, we Christians that have grown up in the church will hold very fast to the concept that Jesus was truly God. But I don't think we either appreciate or understand at the level we need to the true humanity of, of the Christ and why that's important. Matter of fact, it was so important in the first century in the early church, speaking of Colossians, 
Um, that was the issue. That was the thing that was at issue. Um, as the early Gnostic heresy began to form, and we really see this fleshed out later in the epistle of First and Second John, that, that it became a test of orthodox faith in Christ to say that he came truly in the flesh as a human being. Because the Gnostics said he was actually the spirit being that looked like a human being but wasn't truly human. So the, so the catechism question that we just sang about is why must the Redeemer be truly human? Before you flip that answer, let me ask you a question. Just talk to me this morning. Why, why is it that, that Jesus Christ as the Redeemer, the one who fixes our sin problem, why is it important that he's a, he's, he is truly a human being? Okay, so he can pay the penalty for our sins? Why is it important that a human pay the penalty for our sins? That's exactly right. A human got us into this mess. And what was his name? Adam. And so a human has to get us out of this mess. And that's the second Adam, which is Jesus, right? So that's great. What's another reason it's important for the, for, for the Redeemer, being that he's going to pay the penalty for it? Why is it important that he actually is a true human being? Okay, so that makes, right, because he's a human being and not sinning and having this perfect obedience. Um, all right, and that's going to be part of it too so that we can relate to him and, and maybe more importantly so that he can relate to us. We're going we're to get into that here in just a second. But there's one big one we're missing yet. How does he pay the penalty for our sin? And if Jesus wasn't truly human, a true human being, could he die? No. He had to be a true human being in order to die. And that's where um, Islam separates from Christianity is they say that on the cross, Jesus swapped out his true son and put a substitute in there because God would never do that to his son. And so we've got to understand that, that it's a big problem. It's a problem in Colossae. This idea that Jesus really wasn't truly human. And so we look at why, why is it important that he is? And here's the answer to our catechism question is this. Matter of fact, say this with me. Right? Let's begin. That in human nature, he might, on our behalf, perfectly obey the whole law and suffer the punishment for human sin, and also that he might sympathize with our weaknesses. And isn't that true? So I'm just going to unpack that today to help us hopefully understand exactly what this means. So let me take that first phrase on the next screen. It is this, that in human nature he might obey, that, excuse me, that in human nature he might on our behalf perfectly obey the whole law. Now notice these two words, that in what, church? Human nature. What is human nature? Well, yeah, our human nature is not good, but it is comprised, we say a human being is, is made up of three parts that make a whole. There's the body, the soul, and the spirit, right? Right? 
Did Jesus have a body, soul, and spirit? Yes, he did. And then there's also, within that soul, there's something called intellect, emotion, and will. A mind, a thinker, a feeler, and a chooser. And here's, here's where we tend to get it wrong. It is simply this, and this will be on the next screen, that Jesus' obedience was as a true human being. Now, now, now stay with me on this. Think with me. He, he had human emotions just like you and me. Did Jesus feel? We're going to get into that in a minute. He had a human mind. And he had a human will just like yours and just like mine. Jesus was just like us in the sense that he was truly, truly human. And we see this in Hebrews 2, 17. Let's look there. The Bible says this, Therefore, in all things, how many things, church? He had, notice that, he had to be made like his brethren. He had to be just like us in everything. He had a human mind. He had human emotions. He had a human body. Um, he had a human will. Why, why is this important? That he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. And that word propitiation, talked about it last week, means he, he was the satisfaction for human sin. He satisfied every bit of the wrath of God, and he could only do that, listen to me, he could only do that if he was true, a true, legitimate human being, just like us in every way. And Jesus was just like us. And I think that's, that's important because here's what I know happens. Here's what I know happens in your mind. We've got no problem with Jesus being God because that separates him from us. Right? And, and somewhere in our thinking, and I don't know where it happens, but somewhere in our thinking we say, well, you know, Jesus could do that because he was God. But I'm not God, therefore I have this out or this excuse. And can I tell you something? That thinking's wrong. Because while he was truly God, he really was God in every sense, he was also truly man just like you in every sense. And I said this last week. And we got to be careful with this statement. But I think it unpacks biblically through the scriptures, through the historical record, is this, that Jesus did not dip into his deity in order to live out his human experience. He didn't do that because if he did, if he did, he really he wouldn't have been able to he would he would have kept the law, but he would have done it because he was God. But he kept the law, listen to me, as a true human being just like you and just like me. That's that's what makes it amazing. So Jesus really was human. He had a, he had a human body. And that's what these first century early gnostics were denying. And, and they were starting to fight this as early as this church in Colossae that, that we're looking at in our scriptures right now as a church. But the New Testament is clear enough that Jesus had a human body. John 1.14, that, that the Word was made what? Flesh and dwelt among us. It means at least that, and it also means more. His humanity became one of the first tests of early Christian orthodoxy. And you might want to jot this down. We find that in 1 John 4, 2, 
and in 2 John 7. And just go look those up. We don't have time to go through all the verses I'd love for you to go through today. So how can we know that he was truly human? Well, he was born, right? He was born, just like, and he came into the world the same way you came into this world. Uh, we see that Luke 2, 7. And he grew, the Bible says in, in, in Luke 2, 40, that uh, he grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. He actually grew. Uh, there was a little song that, uh, by the Donut Man that our, we used to sing with our kids when they were little. And it was simply called, Jesus was a child like me. And when he fell, he scraped his knee. Right? And it goes, it goes on through that whole thing that Jesus was, Jesus was a kid. And we don't think about Jesus as a kid, do we? The only time we think about Jesus as a kid is this time of year. And we think of him as this baby in a manger, don't we? But I want to tell you what, Jesus was 12 years old once. Jesus was 16 when girls became terrible and interesting all at the same time. <laughs> right? Jesus went through all those emotions. And yet, by relying on the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus did it without sinning. Because he relied on the power of the Holy Spirit. How can we go through life without sinning? By relying on what? The same Holy Spirit that Jesus relied on. So Jesus was, had a truly human body. The Bible tells us that he got tired. We see that in John 4 and verse 6. That he got thirsty. John 19, 28. Did Jesus ever get hungry? Yeah, Matthew 4, 2 tells us that. Um, he became physically weak. Matthew 4.11, the Bible tells us that. And he actually died. That's what human beings do. Luke 23.46. And he had a real human body after the resurrection. And we see that in Luke's account in chapter 24 with Thomas. There was also another time, we just read it this week in our, in our Bible reading together, is that Jesus appears to them and they're not sure he's really real. And Jesus says, you got anything to eat? And he eats. Post-resurrection Jesus actually eats. And that's, that's what a human, a spirit would not have either the desire or ability to eat. So we see that Jesus was a true human. He had a human body. Um, he also, though, had human emotions. Did Jesus feel? Did Jesus have feelings just like you and I do? Did he ever get mad? Yeah, he did. You know, um, was he ever sad? Did he cry at funerals? Yeah, shortest verse in the Bible is what? Jesus wept. Um, he even marveled in Matthew 8.10. He marveled at the faith of, that, of, of the, the Gentile ruler, the centurion. He marveled. What does, that, what does that word marvel mean? It means kind of blew him away. It made him, Jesus wondered. How can you wonder if you know everything? To marvel means to ponder something and try to figure it out. I think we have this faulty idea that, that in Jesus' perfection as a human being, that he always did everything right. Now, he did everything right according to the law. But was he a true human being or wasn't he? The Bible says he marveled at things. Uh, the Bible also says in Matthew 26, 38, that his soul was very sorrowful even unto death. 
So Jesus knew the depths of great sorrow. We see that in the, in the garden as he prayed. In John 11, 33 to 35, Jesus is deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. In another passage, it says Jesus groaned within himself. He was troubled. He was moved in his emotions. Bible, the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 5, 7 that, that Jesus offered up prayers and supplication with loud cries and tears. That is innately human. Jesus had human emotions, feelings, just like you. And I love this. John Calvin said this, and he summed it all up. Great quote. He said, Christ has put on our feelings along with our flesh. Think about that. Christ has put on our feelings along with our flesh. It's important to understand that. He's just like us. He felt things deeply just like you and I feel things deeply. Did you ever feel disappointment? Have you ever read about his disciples? <laughs> yeah, he was disappointed just like us. He also had a human mind. And this one, this one, I think we can kind of get confused about and at least backed up a little bit. There's two texts that press us towards this mind-boggling truth. The one is in Luke 2.52 where it says that Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. How, if Jesus is truly God, how can he increase in wisdom? Right? How can he increase in favor with his father and with man? Because he grew. He had a human mind. And, and he actually, you know, he actually learned things. He learned. He grew in wisdom. He had to learn. Just like you had to. He had to learn. Well, they didn't have ABCs. They would have Alpha, Beta, Gamma. You know, he had to learn not only Greek, but Hebrew. He learned two languages. And he learned them the same way that you learned English. He had to go to school and learn how to do it. He had to learn math under his stepfather, Joseph. Um, and, we, and we forget that. And then there's another one that's a little bit puzzling. It's in Mark 13, 32. He says, Jesus said this, talking about the return of his return to earth. He said, concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. How is it that Jesus, the, the Son of God, doesn't know something? How is it he doesn't know when he's coming back? Because he's truly man. And he has, the, he has taken on willfully the limitations of a human mind at this point. And he also has a human will. And I think this is the one that really boggles our minds. That Jesus had a human will. He had the ability to choose. And the reality of a human divine Christ stretches our comprehension almost to the point of breaking. And I think this one's the trickiest of all, that Jesus not only had a divine will, but he had a human will. And we affirm two wills in Christ, one divine and one human. And again, the tracks are laid down by two texts. 
And here they are, John 6, 38. Jesus said this, I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, listen to this, but the will of him who sent me. Isn't that amazing? And then in Matthew 26, 39, you're probably more familiar with this one, as he's praying in the garden to the Father, not as I will, but what? As you will. So he has a fully human will. And Jesus has an infinite divine will that is the will of his Father. One will in God. And as a man, he has a finite human will. While being an authentic human will, it is perfectly in sync with and submissive to this divine will. And it, this is honestly, this is a great mystery. Why is this important? Because in order, listen to me, and this is where it all goes to. In order for Jesus to bring true healing to you and I in the places where we are broken, he had to be a true human. I know. It seems so simple, and yet if you ponder on that, it'll crash your hard drive. I promise you. In order to bring true human healing, he had to be a true human being. In order for him to reach in and touch where, those, where, where, where it was broken in our human experience. And that's what it says in, human, in uh, Hebrews 2.17. In all things he had to be made like his brethren. That literally means of the same stuff. He had to be made of the same stuff that we are. So that he would be a merciful and faithful high priest. And be able to, to uh, heal our brokenness. So he takes his human body in order to save our human bodies. He took a human mind in order to redeem our human minds. And, with, and without taking a human will, he could not save our broken and wandering wills. As one of the early church fathers said, and I thought this was profound, one of the early church fathers said this, that which he has not assumed, he has not healed. Let me say that again. That which he has not assumed, he has not healed. So Jesus became man in full that he might save us in full because he is a truly marvelous Savior. Does that make sense this morning? I thought it did. And I think it's important that we understand that. That in human nature, and when it says in human nature, it means, just think of it this way, just like me. He had the same Feelings, he had the same uh, mind, and he had the same will. And here's why it's important to understand that, because it removes our excuses. You and I, as born-again believers in Jesus Christ, have no excuse to sin. You just don't. It's just not there if Jesus was truly a man. So that's the first thing. Uh, go ahead to the next slide there, Sam, if you would. Here's another verse that talks about this. Uh, Romans 5.19, for, for as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also by one man's what? Obedience many will be made righteous. So first Adam blew it for you and I. And notice it says many were made sinners. Why doesn't it say all, people, all, man were, all men were made sinners? Because Jesus was coming and he is truly a man. Doesn't include him, right? And then what about this next one? So as by one man's obedience, what's that next word? Many will be made righteous. Why does it say everyone will be made righteous? 
Talk to me. Because everyone's not a believer. Everyone's not a follower of Christ. But those who come in humility and repent of their sin and receive the gift of Christ, they get the righteousness of Christ. So this obedience of Jesus was the obedience of a true human being. And he said, this is how it's done. Now go and do it. I've empowered you. You get the same power that I had. Go live my life by relying on the Holy Spirit. So here's the next thing in our catechism, and we'll unpack this for just a second. Here's the second part. And, and because he did this perfect obedience as a human being, and to suffer the punishment for human sin, and this is important, as a human being. He suffers the punishment for human sin as a human being. And look at, for this one, we look at 1 Peter 2.24. And it says this, who himself bore our sins, notice where, in his own what? Body. In his own body on the tree that we, having died to sin, might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were what? Healed. By whose stripes you were healed. He took on humanity in all aspects of who and what we are so that he could heal all aspects of who and what we are. Is this starting to make sense to somebody this morning? The humanity of Christ is vitally important to assert and to understand and to embrace. He bore our sins. Notice where he bore our sins. Where? In. It says in his body. It doesn't say on his body, does it? It wasn't an exterior thing. It was an interior thing. In his body on a tree. Uh, Paul would say in 2 Corinthians 5, um, 17, I think it is, or is it 21, where he says, um, and he who knew no sin, what? Became sin. He became our sin. And in his body, our sin was literally placed into his body, and he so identified with our sin that he became our sin. He who knew, had no knowledge, no, no first-hand experience with sin, never sinned himself, and now he becomes sin. That was the hell of the cross. Wow. As a human being, a sinless human being, he becomes sin that he never committed. Isn't that amazing? And somehow, in some glorious way, by the punishment of Jesus, we find our healing. The innocent for the guilty. And then this last one is, and also, and also that he might sympathize with our weaknesses. How many of you can say, Preacher, I am weak. I got some human weaknesses. Anybody got some human weaknesses out there? Amen. Aren't we weak? Don't we struggle? Right? And here's the thing. Hear me. The beauty of understanding and affirming and embracing the true humanness of Jesus is He gets your struggle. He can sympathize. He understands. He understands how hard it is not to talk ugly to people in your flesh. He understands how hard it is not to give in to anger when it's not the right kind of anger. He understands how hard it is to tell the truth even when it costs you everything. He understands and sympathizes with us in our weaknesses. Hebrews 2.18 says this, 
For in that he himself has suffered, being tempted, look at this, and as a result, he is able to aid those who are tempted. Listen to me. Jesus has gone through everything you've gone through. The difference is he relied on the Holy Spirit through all of it and came out of it with perfect obedience. But here's the beauty of that. He gets it. And he can help you when you're in the middle of it. Listen to me, because he's been in the middle of it. Aren't you glad we have a truly human redeemer who understands our weakness? He goes on to say this in the same, same book, Hebrews 4 and verse 15. Oh, I love this. He says, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. Anyone say amen right there? Aren't you glad that, that, that God writes himself into history as a true human being and he walks through all the junk that you've got to walk through to show us that it can be done by relying on the Holy Spirit, but also to say, hey, I get it. It's hard. I know what it's like. I'm with you. But was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Jesus is saying, hey, it can be done. I've done it. I've done it for you. Here's my example, and here's my presence. I'm going to help you through this. Anybody glad for that help today? Anybody glad that we can go to God in the mess of our lives, and in the disappointment, and in the disillusionment, and realize that Jesus Christ walked this earth just like we did, and God the Son of God, the Son of Man, in His humanness, He understands how hard things are. Because He's been there. And He's done that. We've experienced a lot of loss in this church, especially over the last uh, five years or so. Six years. And, and, and a lot of ladies have lost their spouses. A lot of a few of our men have lost their wives. And I remember one guy in particular, um, when he lost his wife, I said, look, I said, here's what you need to do. You need to go. I gave him a phone number. You need to call this number. It's a support group. It's just a grief support group. You need to go, you need to, go to the support group. Because there's going to be people in there that are going through the same thing you are. Being a typical man, he put that number in his pocket and never took it out. Until about two months in, and he could barely get up in the morning, and he found that phone number and he called it. He went to his first meeting, and when it was over, he called me up on the way home. He said, man, I wish I'd have done that sooner. <laughs> I said, why? He said, those people get me. We're, we're in the same boat, and we're having the same struggles. He said, and if nothing else, it's great to know that someone else is feeling the same thing I'm feeling. And to know that I'm not alone. Oh, I want to tell you something. Jesus Christ as man, he knows what you're going through and you are not alone. That which he has assumed, he has the ability to heal because he was truly a man. And I want to close with this thought today. I don't think we truly appreciate what Jesus gave up. To become one of us. And I don't know that we will until we stand before God. And even then, I don't know if we get, we're ever really truly going to get it. I don't, I don't know if that comprehension, even spiritually, is possible. But oh, I can tell you. I subtitled this message, The Humiliation of the, of the Christ. 
for God to write himself into human history. Yeah, I put that little video up there. One of the reasons I did it is when that, that little kid said, I think he pooped and it smells in here. <laughs> Can you imagine the creator of the universe having to have his diapers changed? No, really, think about that. And born in a barn. In a barn. Y'all ever been in a barn? You know, these, these little creches look beautiful, right? It's a good thing these don't come with smell. Because it wouldn't be in a church. I've been in a barn. They don't smell good. And yet this little guy, this, the son of God comes and is born in a barn, the creator. You want to talk about perplexing? The God who created the universe, that the universe itself cannot hold. God is so big that the universe can't hold him, and yet he is held within the womb of a Judean Jewish teenage girl. How can that be? Max Lucado wrote a book. Um, I'm trying to think of the name. Of, oh, it's called He Came Near. And it's all about the incarnation. And he's got one little short chapter in there, and it's 20 questions for Mary. And one of the questions is, did you ever try to count the stars with him and succeed? Did you, did you ever think, did you ever think that this child that you carried would carry your sins to the cross? What must that have been like to be Mary and to firsthand experience raising the Son of God? Jesus was a real person. And I want to close with a, a beautiful prayer from our Puritan forefathers that's simply entitled The Gift of Gifts. And it goes like this. O source of all good, what shall I render to thee for the gift of gifts? Thine own dear Son, begotten, not created. My Redeemer, Proxy, surety, substitute. His self-emptying, incomprehensible. His infinity of love beyond the heart's grasp. Herein is wonder of wonders. He came below to raise me above. Was born like me that I might become like him. Here in his love, when I cannot rise to him, he draws near on wings of grace to raise me to himself. Here in his power, when deity and humanity were infinitely apart, he united them in indissoluble unity, the uncreated and the created. Here in his wisdom, when I was undone with no will to return to him and no intellect to devise recovery, he came. God incarnate to save me to the uttermost as a man to die my death, to shed satisfying blood on my behalf to work out a perfect righteousness for me. Oh God, 
Take me in spirit to the watchful shepherds and enlarge my mind. Let me hear good tidings of great joy and hearing, believe, rejoice, praise, adore. My conscience bathed in an ocean of repose, my eyes uplifted to a reconciled father. Place me with ox, ass, camel, goat to look up with them upon my Redeemer's face and in Him account myself delivered from sin. Let me with Simeon clasp the newborn child to my heart. Embrace him with undying faith, exulting that he is mine and I am his. In him thou hast given me so much that heaven can give no more. That's why it's important that we embrace the mystery and the wonder that Jesus, our Redeemer, is truly man and truly God. What a beautiful truth that is. And I'm telling you, I did what I can do. And God's got to do what I can't. And that is to drop that sense of wonder on our spirits today. That we might marvel on the goodness of this God-man. I'm going to pray, and as I'm praying, I'll invite our uh, folks to come up. They're going to sing a song when I'm done praying. And as they do, I want you to sit there, and I want you to ask God to drop that marvelous mystery on your heart and your mind. And I want you to ponder that Jesus is just like you. He gets you so that you might get Him as they sing this song. Would you pray with me? Father, we come to you today thanking you that Jesus, our Redeemer, is truly a man. Man as man was meant to be. He gets us. He's walked everything that we have walked. He understands our fallenness. He understands our weakness. He understands our humanity at a core level because He's been there. He learned obedience through what He suffered. He proved it, and by relying on the Holy Spirit, He did it without sin. And Lord, I pray that You would correct our understanding, that we would not fudge even the littlest ground when it comes to the true humanity of Jesus. That He had a human mind, He had human emotions, and He had a human will, but He subjected all of them to You, Father, through the power of the Holy Spirit, the same way you have empowered us to do. May the humanity of Jesus strip away all of our excuses and may they fall flat at your feet. And may you teach us to love you the way you deserve. In Jesus' name, amen.
against her heart While sheep and cattle raise their voice The parents speak no words The ever-flowing spring of joy And come to share
us from our shame And now the highest praise of all Belongs to Jesus' name How low was our Redeemer brought To free us from our shame That's why He deserves all the praise and glory just like you that we might be made just like him oh may God drop the marvel of that to our hearts today may we wonder again just as he did father we love you today we thank you for Jesus thank you that he was made a little lower than the angels and that angels desire to look into these things because it is uncomprehensible to them. Would you drop the wonder of the incarnation, the enfleshment of the Son of God onto our hearts today? And may we leave this place with a sense of awe. May we leave our excuses at the cross. May we live with the righteousness of the risen Son of God. Christ's name. Amen. Would you stand and sing the doxology with me today? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Today, in the back on that table, uh, Courtney's D group got together yesterday, the ladies, and they made some little breads and cupcakes and muffins, and they want uh, each family, so one representative from your family, to pick up one of those on your way out, just as a way uh, to say thank you for the gift of Christ as God gave His Son. They're giving back.